This is what's going to happen. Does that make sense? Alright, let's continue the story here. And this is the end of our story. Verse 16 and 19, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So he wakes up and he's like, This is crazy. This God's here. I didn't know it, but this is like God's house. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, takes his pillow, and set up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. So you can hit this next slide. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at first. So Jacob responds. He wakes up from the dream. He heard from God. It was insane. And he responds with worship. He built his pillar out of his pillows. And he pours out oil on the pillar. And that's signifying that this is, this is a special, it was an anointed place. This is different. Does that make sense? Real straightforward and simple. So let's learn some lessons from this. And then Philip here in a little bit is going to, um, he's going to just give us a real practical application. Okay, let's learn some lessons. So verses uh, 10 and 11 are going to tell us our lesson from the pillows. The pillows were made of what? What were his pillows? They were rocks. The pillows were what? Everybody said the pillows were... Okay, that's good. So let's learn some lesson, a lesson from these pillows, these rocks. It says, in verse 10, it says that he was, he was set, he was, he was aimed toward Haran. Toward Mountaineer. Right? That's what he's toward. Ruggedness. And he lighted upon a certain place. It means he shows up in a certain area and tarried all night. He stayed in the night because the sun was set. Some got set up camp. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. This wasn't a super comfortable situation for him. Right? How many of you really enjoy camping? You really enjoy camping. I really enjoy camping too. But you know what I don't enjoy? I don't enjoy camping without a pillow. You know what I forget every time I go camping? My pillow. You know what I never use instead of a pillow? A rock. You know why? Because that sounds terrible. Right? Not comfortable. He wasn't going, Jacob's not going on a luxury self-serving cruise, right? He's starting this life, he's going to go look for a, a, a wife, and it's kind of adventurous. It's kind of, Intense. It's similar to you guys are going to launch off into the world within, you know, anywhere from if you're in sixth grade, you've got what six and a half more years, and then parents are probably not going to kick you out of the house, but they're probably going to say it's time to grow up, right? Some of you are a couple months away from that. You're beginning your life, and it's going to be kind of hard. Life is not just real sweet. Especially when you get to the point where you have to start being responsible and taking accountability for your life. Things are a little tough. But specifically, his circumstances are really tough. He's going on a rugged expedition. And he had the mentality that he wasn't looking for the comforts of home. He pulled up some rocks. And he slept on them. I want you to consider Christ's perspective. And then we'll pull our lesson. In Luke chapter 9, verse 57 and 58, it's there in your notes. It says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, 
Lord, I will follow Thee whithersoever Thou goest. We want to say that to the Lord. Wherever you go, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you. And here's what Jesus said. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay His head. What is Jesus concerned with? Based on this answer, Jesus was not concerned and wrapped up in finding comfort in this life. Like we know that when He got crucified, He wasn't looking to get comfortable. He put it all out there. He gave His life for our sin. He was not looking to be comforted in those moments. He was looking to surrender and to sacrifice. But even before that, in His life and ministry on earth, He wasn't seeking comfort. He said, I don't have a place to lay my head. I'm not looking to build this little empire, this this home base where I can be comfortable. I'm not looking for that. We're going to look for that. We're going to build lives. Jesus, He said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. And I just want you to think about what He's worried about. What does He care about? What do you care about? Do you care about being comfortable? I know that many times I do. That's what I'm seeking throughout the day. Comfort. But here's your first lesson. We must be willing to break up with comfort. Got to break up. You ever, ever been broken up with before? If you're in middle school, you better say no. Okay, being broken up with is like, uh, it's like you can't do anything about it. Like it's not up to you. And, and maybe it feels like your heart is ripped out and stepped on. I got broken up with one time in high school, and it was so bad. I literally slept for like 24 hours straight. I missed a whole day of school. And, my, and I was sick. I was, I was, it was devastating. And then I woke up, and my girlfriend, all the gifts I had given her, she left them in a box in my cul-de-sac. I mean, it was very dramatic for a high school relationship. It tore me up. It hurts to be broken up with. But you know what we need to do? We need to rip the band-aid off. You're right. You're right. We need to rip the band-aid off and be willing be willing to break up with being comfortable. Because because where is being comfortable going to lead you? Nowhere. To being comfortable. Nowhere. To vanity eventually being uncomfortable and then that feels like you are broken up with you can break up with comfort before it breaks up with you I recommend you do come on let's break up let's be willing to break up with comfort and for you that might not mean you break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend though some of you maybe that is it I don't know but but probably it looks like going to bed earlier it's more comfortable if we stay up late and watch whatever I, I'm with you Maybe it looks like waking up earlier, but it's more comfortable to lay on my pillow that's not a rock and to sleep in a little longer. I'm with you. I'm with you. 
Maybe it means to get out of your bed to read. Maybe you read your Bible in bed and you know that what that actually just means is you pull your Bible up and then your phone times out because you're asleep and you didn't read anything. Maybe it means to get up. Maybe it means not reading on your phone altogether because you know as soon as you pull your phone out and you get your Bible out, the other apps are what take precedence in that time. Maybe you need to say, I'm not going to read my phone, I'm going to read my Bible. I don't know what it looks like for you, right? But you do. What comfort do you need to break up with? Let's look at another lesson. Lesson from the promises. So that was a lesson from the pillows. It's not about comfort. You've got to be willing to get uncomfortable to have a devotional relationship with Jesus. But let's le- learn a lesson from the promises. In verse 15, here's what God said to him. He said, And behold, I am with thee. God says He's with Jacob, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I've done that which I've spoken to thee of. And this, in my mind, it's just a promise. God just promises him that he's going to be with him. And it makes me think of four types of growing Christians. How many of you are a Christian? You know that you are born again. Okay, a lot of you. So if you're born again, and you've only been saved for a few years, or maybe you've been saved for a really long time, and you've never grown, but if you would say that you're probably, you're growing. You're a growing Christian. Maybe even a baby Christian, or like a toddler Christian, or like a prepubescent Christian. You're growing. I, I thought of four different kinds. Number one, there's four kinds of growing Christian relationships with God. You've got the waiter Christians. They're like a waiter. And you take God's order. And your focus is entirely on obedience and performance. You think, what do I do today? We don't need anything from God. We just need to obey. What is it that He wants me to do? So in that quiet time, I'm looking for, what am I supposed to do today? And I find myself gravitating toward that mentality. It's about what I do. I have to prove myself. I have to do something for God today. That's, that's true. You do need to obey God. But that's only part of it, right? That's only partially true. There's waiter Christians. There's also personal assistant Christians. What's that mean? Personal assistant Christians work just outside God's office, right? You know, in the movies, there's the personal assistant, and the person comes up, and they want to talk to the boss, and she's like, you can't go in there right now. And then they storm past the personal assistant, and they go into God's office, and they lay down the law. It's not God's office. It's somebody else's office. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, some of us, growing Christians, we take on that idea that we are the personal assistant. We're just outside God's office, and we're speaking to others about Him without actually visiting Him ourselves. We're out there in our office, you know, doing our thing, and we're interacting with others even on behalf of Him. The trouble is, our focus is predominantly outward. Who do I need to evangelize today? Who needs me today? How can I be of service to the lost? Again, good questions. How many people can I talk to about God in order, why? I'm not in there with Him. I'm out here. I'm doing my thing in order to impress Him or maybe just to impress impress myself. Maybe it's because I, in my mind, have this list of objectives. If I'm going to be a good Christian today, and again, it's performance-driven, if I'm going to be a good Christian today, I've got to evangelize. And if I don't evangelize today, then I'm a bad Christian. I'm a bad 
personal assistant to God. Now, if you don't ever think about evangelism, that's probably not you. But if you do think about evangelism, you've probably had that thought. I know I've had that thought lots. Or if I don't speak to someone about the gospel, maybe I failed. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not valuable. My value is in my assistance to God. And then third, there's the butler. The butler Christians. The butler Christians roam around the house, the church, looking for as many opportunities to serve around the home as they can. Right? It's a person who's all about the business of church home. The focus is predominantly on our busyness and our rank in church. What needs to be done around here? How can I climb the corporate church ladder instead of climbing up on the altar as a living sacrifice? You may or may not know this, but there is a a pretty prevalent tendency in our flesh at a church like this that's growing and vibrant to think, I need to be the next Man, I need to be the next. I, I'm the next guy up. I'm, I'm gonna be the leader of whatever, and I've got to just prove myself. I've just gotta, I've gotta be involved in enough ministry so that they see that, and then I can, you know, I can be the man. Does that make sense? It typically happens when you're anywhere from I don't know, 16 to 30, where you're just like, I'm gonna be the man, and I'm gonna prove around here that I'm serving God in in His every need. I'm the butler around here. And you say that to yourself in the mirror. I'm the butler around here. And then your parents recording you. And then it's on Facebook. And you never see it because you're not on Facebook. But all your parents' friends see it. And then we all see it. And now we know that you say I'm the butler around here in your mirror. And you know who I'm talking about. Is it you? I'm pretty sure that's happened before. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Not the butler. <laughs> Dean's like, look at me. I'm the butler around here. Okay, so maybe some of those first three are resonating with you. Here's the goal. Here's the fourth type of growing Christian relationship that we want to have with God. And it's that of uh, children. Being a child. You know what you don't want to be when you're a teenager? You don't want to be a child. That's like somehow just personally offensive to you. If I call you a child, you're like, I hate you. I'm grown. Right? Right? Being called or identifying as a child is somehow just too humiliating for us. We want to be respected. We want to be seen. We want to be esteemed, right? But a child just climbs on their father's lap and they listen to his affirming and reassuring voice. Right? The focus is on the Father and His story, maybe, and His mission. It's not on the child's role in the family. You know what children never think about? They never think about, like, 
Well, what's my role around here? What do I do? What am I supposed to do around here? Like they just roam around and hang out with the parents, play with their toys, play with their friends. They're not worried about that. Because it doesn't matter. They don't have anything to prove. They know their love. They know their value. They think, what does my father want to say to me? You know, my daughter Ivy, she, she's in this stage right now where she'll run up to me and just say, Daddy, watch. She's in the Daddy, watch stage. Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. And typically what that means is she either pulls her dress all the way up and she's got her pant tights on and she's like, look at my pants. <laughs> I'm like, those are wonderful. That's great, Ivy. Or... Or what she'll do is she'll come in with her dress and she'll say, Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. Daddy, watch. And what's happening in those moments? Her dress is flying out, right? Right? You ever seen that? All she wants to do is hear from me. Be seen by me. She's not saying, Hey, Daddy, can you... You know, Daddy, who, who do you love more, me or Josie? Right? That's not where she's at. She just wants to be around. She wants to be seen. She wants to be known. She wants to be heard by God, by her father. Right? Jacob was with God, and he heard him. And what did he hear him say? He heard him simply speak promises of what God was going to do in his life, and I would submit to you that if you haven't heard God's gentle, His tender whispers of acceptance, if you haven't just spent time reading and hearing and seeing God just reaffirm you, God just accept you, God just tell you you're justified, tell you that you're, you're beloved, if you, haven't, if you haven't heard that from your Father, I think you need to. We aren't so tough. You don't ever grow out of or become so tough, so like mature and respected as a Christian that you, you can get over hearing Him profess His love for you, to you. That doesn't get old. Right? If we're posturing ourselves appropriately before Him. So your lesson is, our lesson is, quiet time is more than taking orders and instructions. And if your quiet time is about your performance, about what you can do for God, about you, then your quiet time is missing. You're missing. And in fact, you're missing out. We're going to wrap up here. Last section. This is the section I almost forgot about the key point. I almost left it off the handout. That had been awkward. But we got it. And this is the lesson from the pillar and the oil. We're going to take a lesson from the pillar and oil. And it's from verses 16 and 19. It says, And Jacob awakened out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he for his pillows and set it up for a pillar 
and poured oil upon the top of it, called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. Okay, so in Scripture, oil is a picture of the Spirit, of God's Spirit. And this oil being poured all over this monumental experience with God, right? This encounter with God. He's pouring oil on the rocks that were His pillows. It shows us, it's a picture for us, that the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit, has a very important place in our relationship and experience with God. Right? If my relationship with God is just reading this book, or if my relationship, my experience with God is just attending services, maybe even faithfully, regularly, maybe even look like you're doing really well, maybe as you check your, you know, you don't check your oil, but you got that thing figured out so that you can make the car sound like it's not running rough. Maybe you turn the music up loud enough, you got K-Love on. So you can't hear the engine running rough, but you got that K-Love on. That tells us everything, right? If it doesn't involve predominantly God's Spirit interacting with you with His Word, Man, we're missing. Okay, we're missing. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, But the hour cometh and now is. It's time, right now, when the true worshipers, true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You've heard that verse so many times. Listen to it with fresh ears. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You got the truth, right? And you and I are fully capable of waking up in the morning. And you know what we're really good at? You know what? I'm, I'm a master at this. I'm a master. You know what I'm a master of? Waking up, pulling out my Bible. Probably not this one, because that would require way too much energy to like open the case and pull it out of my backpack and like all the stuff. So you know what I'm a master of? I get my phone out, click on my, my Blue Letter Bible app, and I read something, and then I put it away, and I go about my business. I'm a master of that. And you could make a case that I'm worshiping God in truth. God, you say this, so I'm, I'm going to go do that. I'll be a waiter. I'll be a personal assistant. I'll be a butler. But if I'm, if I'm missing the Spirit, well, I'm only halfway worshiping God, right? Do you know what a 50% is in your class? Yeah, you're all really close. Our quiet time must be more than just reading truth and checking this task off our list. If if our quiet time is just Checking that task off our list, which it is so naturally for us, we're missing it. It must also be giving the Spirit room time in our day and in our heart to teach us. You have to learn from your quiet time. It can't just be reading. Okay, I'm going to go obey that. You have to learn new information. It has to challenge us. God's Spirit should be using His Word to challenge how you think and how you feel about situations in your life. You should feel challenged. You should feel challenged from your quiet time. 
our quiet time ought to involve us being corrected. Oh, wow. God, I'm reading this, and oh, it's like a knife. God is telling me, this is who I am and who I need to not be, and this is what I need to surrender to Him. I've been doing this, and it's so clear that this is not right. To instruct us in righteousness. Some of it is instruction. You ought to be instructed in your quiet time. There should be some application that you can walk away with and do. He should be leading us, the Holy Spirit, in His Word. So here's, here's your key point. We are radically and decisively separated and holy because of His Spirit's leading in our lives from our quiet time, from our devotional. If you have a quiet time where you are worshiping God in spirit and truth, and in truth, Listen to me. You're not going to look the same as all the other people at your school. And if you look the same as everybody else in your school or in your job, if you look the same, you're missing it. Your quiet time is not on. It's not right. You have to get that. If you, if you have spirit and in, in truth, you're worshiping God. You have encounters, experience with God. You will look different. You will look radical. You will look separated. You'll be different. And you've got to get comfortable with being different, comfortable with being uncomfortable. Not only just practically to get to the quiet time, but after you get into the quiet time and you realize that God's heart is burdened for souls, not for the stuff on media, social media, and all the the stuff that we concern ourselves with. His heart is not burdened for the things that we are burdened for. It's burdened for souls. And if you're burdened for souls, you're going to be a people person. Can I submit that to you? That if you're antisocial, not you struggle to connect with people. Welcome to the club. But I'm saying if you don't care about people, if you don't care about people, you don't have a quiet time. Because you don't have God's heart. Because God's heart is for people. If you don't care about the people in this room, you don't have a quiet time. Because God's heart is for these people. God's heart is for you. And you only get that from His Spirit and truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. We, have, we have to check our oil. What is on the inside of our heart? How is your life running? How is your heart running? Are you exhausted? Are you just worn out? Are you just done with life right now? Done with school? I'm with you. I feel that. Are you exhausted? Are you irritable? Are you reactive to people all the time? I'm with you. I'm naturally inclined that way. And so are you. And you have to be honest with yourself. Is this where I'm at? In checking your oil, is God's Spirit welcome in your quiet time? Is the intimacy and passion, passion, intimacy, passion. You know what passion is? Passion is not being okay that your sibling is going to burn in hell for eternity. Passion is knowing that the person sitting next to you in your class doesn't know Jesus Christ. And that's not okay. It's not okay. Passion for God with God comes from your quiet time. And if it's not there, quiet time might not be there. Is your quiet time stale? Is it dry? Is it non-existent? What does your life say? 
Are you fruitful? Do you see people being drawn to the fruit of the Spirit in your life? Do people, do people come to you as if you're a tree bearing the fruit of the Spirit? And they say, oh, there's love in her life. Oh, there's joy in his life. Hey, there's peace in his life. And they might not be able to articulate it. might not be able to specifically say, oh, there's joy in his life. But they say, there's something, there's something different. And I, I want to be around that. And I don't even know what this dynamic looks like. But are people flocking to the Spirit in your life? And if not, why not? Are you just grumpy and bitter all the time? Are you empty empty and longing for something that you can't quite put your finger on? You don't know what it is, but there's just something missing in your life. I want you to check your oil. And if your relationship with God needs refreshed, if it needs recharged, if you need your oil changed, right? There's no time like the present to do some maintenance. And so Philip is going to come up in just a moment and lead us into how we could have maintenance on a daily basis or on a regular basis. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're like, Jeff, one, I don't know you. Two, you're yelling at me. Three, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. What are you talking about? If you don't have the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your life, then we want to, we want to connect with you. But we want you to consider that. Why not? It's because you just don't know? It's because you don't want Him there? Why not? Where are you at in terms of being born again? Your salvation, where are you at with that? And as we go through the rest of this morning, I want you to just be open to letting God lead you in that decision. Does that make sense? Maybe that means you tell somebody. Maybe that means you go down front and main service. And you, you become vulnerable and honest. Does that make sense? I'm going to pray, and then Philip is going to come up and lead us with a little bit of time we have left in here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, would you please lead us by your Spirit, however we need to be led. And whatever it is from your word, that um, whatever things, whatever calluses, whatever barnacles we have on our heart or in our heart, whatever dry and stale whatever we have in our in our relationship with you God would you get that out we want a fresh real intimate relationship with you God help us to figure that out help us to figure that out help us to navigate growing getting close to you we ask in Jesus name amen So we all have a time in the morning. So what, what is fight time? Start there. I don't even do. Is it recording? So what is quiet time? <clears throat> so quiet time is an intimate time in the that the believer purposefully is setting aside with God by reading the Bible and praying. Okay, this isn't studying, this isn't doing an assignment, this isn't, um, okay, someone, someone told me I have to, uh, someone told me I had to teach on a Sunday morning, so all my quiet time is going to be about trying to figure that out. No, this is just time where you're just re- reading the Bible and you're praying. 
right? Why in the morning? Um, well, we look at examples in the Bible. Jesus, in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Um, David, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So it's a time when we can get away from distraction. In the morning, it's a time when we can help set the path for the day. Um, if, you're, if you're already, like Jeff was saying, like if you open up your phone and you're already looking at all the social media and all these things, like it's constantly in your brain, and then you, it, it takes extra time to get away from that. If we're doing it first thing in the morning, uh, we don't have time to, to think about all those things that just latch onto our brains. Um, so why is quiet time? I think Jeff pretty much covered that. But reading the Bible is how God talks to us, right? And you might not know this, but everything we know about God comes from the Bible. Like everything Jesus knows about God comes from the Bible. Everything I know about God came from the Bible. It's, that's where we find out um, about God. And then prayer is, that's how we talk to God. So if I could just think in my brain, oh, I wish God knew something about my situation that I'm struggling with. Well, all i got to do is pray about that. And then boom, God knows it. Does he already probably know it? Yeah. Like if my kids have a problem and I'm seeing them struggle, I, I know they have a problem. But when they come to me and talk to me and say, hey, can you help me with this? Uh, well, then, you know, we have that moment where we can, sorry, I was distracted. Jamie is like, out. <laughs> Bro, his eyes were closed. Um, so yeah, prayer is how we talk to God. Um, Psalm one nineteen two: Blessed are they that keep His testimonies and that seek Him with a whole heart. Um, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So the believer should desire to know God. The believer should desire to love God, and the believer should desire to trust God says that our delight, so uh, someone who walks in the counsel, not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the, of the scornful, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and the law being our Bible. So, how, you like how I titled these? Like it's, I'm sure Jeff, this is, this is grammatically correct, right? Okay. How to quiet time. So I took a, a short survey from the counselors. So if you've been in this church for any length of time, you have heard how you are supposed to read in the morning, you're supposed to spend time with God. Sometimes we might not really know what that looks like. Sometimes we might assume that because the pastor says we have to do this, we have to do what the pastor does. Maybe we don't want to do what the pastor does. Maybe we want to do something different. So there is no necessarily right or wrong way of doing it. So I took a survey. Counselor survey results. Time of day. These, I just took a, a short uh, sliver of the, of the results. Some of them read first thing in the morning. Some of them read in the morning before kids wake up. Sometimes in the parking lot before work. And sometimes in the morning while sitting on the toilet. First thing in the morning, what do most of us do? If you don't, it's weird. You go to the bathroom, right? I have four kids and a wife. The only time I can be alone is in the bathroom. So there are, there are two locked doors that the kids cannot get through 
to get to me when I'm in my bathroom. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes, right? Uh, let's look at how much time was spent. Some people spent five minutes, 20 minutes, 10 minutes, until I'm done, maybe up to an hour, four or five minutes to an hour. Depends on the day. It's like, oh, I woke up late. I got five minutes. That's all I got. Well, that, then you got five minutes. Maybe you don't have to work or go to school that day. It's an off day. Maybe you have an hour. You can take an hour. If you're taking a year, that's a long time to read, bro. Alright, so what were they doing? What, what were the counselors doing? They were reading their Bible. They were praying. Some were journaling. Some were outline, outlining. And some were studying. Now, were they studying for something? No. They're studying because they want to learn what God meant about something. So, if God says to do this, well, what, what does that mean? And that's what, that's what they're studying out. And then they're writing notes in their Bible. Right? And then how were they doing it? They were reading their Bible. They had Bible apps. They also included their journals. Uh, some read a devotional. Uh, you guys know what a devotional is? It's like a, a book where they have like daily scriptures and then like how this affects, you know, what this is supposed to mean, that kind of thing. Uh, some incorporated commentaries so that when they're, try they're struggling to find out what something meant, uh, they can go to a commentary and say, well, this guy who is really, really smart says it probably means this. Okay, I can take that into consideration. Um, and then some used a concordance. Like when you're reading, you don't know what a word means, look it up. It's very, very simple. You can look in a dictionary, or you can use a concordance and see how it's used in the Bible, because the Bible always defines the words in, inside of it. Now, some people might say, this is boring to read my Bible. It's like, all, I mean, I get it. When you get to Leviticus, yeah, sometimes it's boring, right? Like, how to wear the ephod, or... All the, all the rules and all the laws, like, I, I understand that. One of the reasons why you might think it's boring is maybe you don't have a genuine relationship with God. Maybe you're just pretending and you're like, okay, fine, I guess I'll read my Bible for five minutes and see what it says. You're like, see, I didn't get anything out of it. Well, okay. Um, maybe just lack understanding about how God wants to communicate. You're reading your Bible and you're like, okay, all right, God. I'm going to flip my Bible open. All right, you're telling me I need to do what? Like, it's not like a fortune cookie, right? And then so maybe you just don't know where to read. Like, you don't have a plan. You're just opening your Bible hoping that you're doing something right, okay? So, let's make a plan. These are very difficult steps to take, okay? Very difficult. Step one, wake up at least 10 minutes early. Okay? So, look at how your reading is. Look at how your quiet time is. And just, just think about it, examine it, and then take one step further. Okay? So, let's say you don't wake up at all in the morning to read your Bible. Okay? First step, take ten wake up 10 minutes early to read your Bible. Let's say you do wake up 10 minutes early. Okay? Wake up 20 minutes early. Okay? Just take that step. Like Jeff was saying, you got to get out of your bed. <laughs> laying in your bed to do homework, laying in your bed to read the Bible, laying in your bed to do anything but sleeping, is pretty much this is going to happen. You're just going to pass out, especially in the morning, especially if you're trying to wake up early. 
Especially since you stayed up too late and you're trying to wake up early, you're just going to pass out. Okay, and then the next part is just knowing where to read. So, do you know where to read in the Bible? Sure, you can just flip it open and point to a verse and read that. Okay, but if you have a plan, you can actually learn how God's communicating with you. You can learn so much about the Bible, and there's so many different ways to do this. You could read chronologically. You could read historically. I'm reading historically right now, and I have 232 chapters I've read, right, on my Bible app, and it says I have only read like 10%. I was like, whoa, I got a long ways to go. Um, you could do front to back, just from Genesis to Revelation. You could do topical. Man, God, what do you, what do you say about joy? I really need to know. So you just look up what joy means, and you just read it, right? Uh, maybe you want to learn about a character in the Bible. I mean, this this seems maybe elementary, but sometimes it's, things are so simple, you don't see it, right? So if you're not reading your Bible, and you've heard the name of someone out of your Bible, David, okay, all right, you know what, tomorrow... I'm going to start reading about David. I'm going to figure out where it first mentions David, and then that's where I'm going to start reading. Like, it's not very difficult to figure that out if you are trying to implement a plan. There's a lot of things you can look up on the Internet about like reading plans for like a year. It tells you which chapters to read during the, during the day. Um, but the most important part is just doing it. Like You have to set that time aside. You have to purpose in your heart that you're going to do something. You have to purpose to wake up early. Like right now, how many of you guys wake up with your cell phone alarm? Okay. If your hand was up and you have a cell phone and that's how it wakes you up and you know you've got to wake up 10 minutes early, you could, I don't know, get your cell phone out right now and change your alarm. Right? Like it's that, that, it's that simple. But you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't want someone to know that I need to wake up 10 minutes early. Jeff's doing it right now. 10 minutes, it's not that long. But that 10 minutes, that 10 minutes spent with the Lord by praying, Lord, um, how do I pray? You just say, Lord, open my heart to show me your truth. And then you start reading. And then when you're done reading, you say, Lord, I don't know what I just read. It's kind of confusing. Um, I don't know who all these people are, but I know that you have a, a purpose for my life. Teach me in, in what I'm reading about how to be closer with you. Right? So what's the outcome of your quiet time? We're encouraged. We're changed. Psalm 19, 7-8 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. So if you want to have your soul converted, if you want to make, if you feel like maybe you're simple and need to be more wise about something, um, if you want joy in your heart, um, if you want to have your eyes enlightened, like if you want to, instead of walking through the world assuming everything is the way I think it should be, um, maybe reading your Bible is what you need to do. And then closing with this verse, Proverbs 8.17, this is what my alarm says in the morning. It goes off and it says, Proverbs 8.17, it says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. So if you're purposing to wake up, if you're purposing um, to read your Bible, if you're purposing to pray, 
you know what? You're going to find God. There might be days where you don't understand what you just read. There might be days where you're just like, a bus hit you and you're like, oh man, I'm such a jerk. I've been doing this. Or, oh man, this is how I handle this situation with my friend. Or, oh man, you know, fill in the blank. There's a lot of different ways to do that. So, I don't know if that's necessarily what you need to hear, but what you need to do if you plan on having a a relationship with the Lord is having a quiet time, right? And having that quiet time is literally so simple. It's just opening your Bible Making, taking five minutes to have a plan the night before, and then just reading. One thing I like to do in my Bible app is if I can't, like let's say the chapter is like 50 verses long and I don't have time, I can highlight where I was at and then come back to that highlight later and then I just keep reading. Like if you're having a physical Bible, get a, I don't know, a bookmark? It's crazy. That way you're not like, oh, was it chapter 10 or chapter 12? I don't remember. So um, I think we're probably out of time. Yeah, okay. Any questions on how to make a plan? No? Okay. Um, Lord, we thank you uh, for this group. Lord, we thank you for what you provided us in your word. We thank you for the chance to know you. Um, your word is your heart for us. Your word is your mind for us. Um, and you've, you've placed it there so that we have access to it anytime we want. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to want that. I pray that you would encourage us to, to wake up and to read and to, and to devote that time um, to you. That way we get to know you better. Uh, we get to have a better understanding of who you are and how you love us. Um, and that um, through that, Lord, our relationship would grow. Uh, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.